0: or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both, underscore, MOV, number two, L-I-V. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Welcome back to another Moving to Live podcast. As you heard in the intro, we are a podcast for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados. If you like what you hear, give us a feedback on Apple iTunes, or actually known as Apple Podcasts Now. Drop us an email. We'll have show notes for that. And give us an idea for guests or tell us what you like. Our whole ethos is movement, part of what makes your life complete. I think it's important to remember that movement is a lifestyle. It's not just an activity. And we're fortunate enough today to be talking to somebody who I suspect is going to have an interesting outlook. He's been in the business over 20 years. I'm kind of interested in talking to him because I know he's living right now at altitude. So that has a slightly different effect when you're working with athletes or just clients who are not athletes. I want to give a big thank you to Jenny Ploss, who recommended it, and our guest today is Ryan Whited. Ryan is the owner, operator, founder of Paragon Athletics in Flagstaff, Arizona, which I think, if I remember correctly, is about, what, 7,500 feet?
1: Just, just under.
0: Just under. So, Ryan, thank you for taking time to talking to Moving to Live. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the first question I always like to ask people that I interview for moving to live before we find out a little bit about your story is if you meet somebody in line in the grocery store, you're waiting to, to fly and you're wearing a Paragon Athletic shirt and they say, so what do you do? What's your canned? And I don't mean canned in a bad way, but just your little 30, 40 second spiel. This is what I do. <laughs> My elevator speech. Exactly.
1: I don't have one. That's the worst part. So, uh, Um, I usually just answer simply, I'm a trainer. Yeah. I work with people daily, um, from elite athletes to people that are working through, uh, uh, sort of musculoskeletal niggles. And, um, yeah, it's a spectrum of folks that I work with now.
0: So it'd be correct to say your main job is you want to make me people move better.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, you know, yeah, I, 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 Steer away from better nowadays, nice. I move, just generally move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the elite athletes move better The anybody else, just move. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So what I find always interesting is finding out where people started from. So you're in Flagstaff right now, and I know because I've got the little cheat sheet bio you fill out beforehand, and I can surf the internet and look at your website, and I know you're in Flagstaff. Where did you start out? Are you a Flagstaff native, or did you start out someplace else?
1: No, I am from uh, Arkansas originally, Hot Springs, Arkansas. I come from a like a rural area of Hot Springs. Uh, and then I made my way out to Flagstaff.
0: And I'm curious because if somebody is twenty plus years in the fitness business, They clearly have to enjoy moving. It's not like you want to stand there and just tell people what 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 to do. You want to move. So, growing up, were you an active kid? And if you were active, was it because your parents and your family were active, or was it more because mom and dad said, "Get the heck out of the house and move around, and don't come back till dinner time"?
1: A bit of all. (laughs) So, uh,
0: my dad is a professional athlete. Was a professional athlete. Um, And I saw that. I'm curious. What what sport was it, or what activity?
1: He was a racehorse jockey. Uh, so uh, he rode for over 30 years. Uh, uh, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, he's won a lot of races. He was very successful at that. I think the average career uh, span for being a jockey is like nine months.
0: Um, There's a very high injury rate, if I remember correctly.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, I've, I've been... I've had people come to pick me up at friends' houses and from school, from the hospital again on multiple occasions. So, uh, yes. And then myself, uh, I've been an athlete my whole life.
0: Um, So what was your sport or sports of choice growing up?
1: Well, I'm from Arkansas. So football, every kid was expected to play football. Um, But funny enough, I, I never had a huge heart for it. Um, even for team sports, it just wasn't my thing. So uh, I loved the camaraderie of it, on my teammates, but it just never got to got to me. Um, I was our starting tailback for years, and I, I was uh, a gifted athlete, you know, um, in most respects. So I was fast, um, but uh, but it never had my heart, so to speak.
0: So I'm always curious when you start out. At some point, people realize I'm not going to do this at the next level, either because they're not good enough or they don't have their heart in it. At what point did you decide, you know, football is not for me. I want to give something else up. I want to give something else a try. I don't want to do football anymore.
1: Um, you know, it was probably my 10th grade. No, it's probably my uh, 11th grade year uh, high school that uh, I just realized it wasn't what I was into. I was actually at that time kind of into art and philosophy. So, uh, and I started realizing that I like to spend a lot of time outside. Um, and I liked, I love training even then I love training. Um, and if you're, if you're a kid in the South, um, typically you know how to work hard if you are on the team sport. Um, and so I loved pushing myself. So I ended up building a little gym for myself after I left football. And, um, yeah, I, I made gymnastics rings and rope ladders and all these things. And so that was how I started fulfilling my athleticism um, outside of football and other team and track and other team sports.
0: You graduate from high school. What's the next step?
1: You know, um, my curiosity for uh, uh, philosophy kind of continued. and But I had discovered climbing and uh through back um
0: for those of us who are not familiar with arkansas is, is there good climbing in arkansas
1: there's a lot of good climbing in arkansas
0: and funny enough
1: i so before i stopped playing football i went to these athletic camps for a month each summer um and uh at that camp was the first time that i climbed and uh, they they asked if anybody was would be interested in uh, after we had all repelled, if anybody would, hit, would be interested in trying to climb back up and that was me and uh, one of the volu- one of the uh, uh, volunteers were the ones that decided to try it so out of a couple hundred people and it wasn't until probably several years later that I uh, got a chance to do it again. Um, but uh, I continued to experience outdoors in ath- athletic way with uh backpacking and uh, things of that nature in Arkansas at that time there weren't many climbers um so there was a lot of climbing to be done but there were not many climbers and climbing as a sport now has it's exploded as we know
0: um, I, f- I forget who I was talking to but I know in the uh mid 90s the big sport was kayaking and everybody wanted to whitewater kayak and I think probably in the last 3 or 4 years maybe even a little bit longer climbing has taken out over to be the sport you know it goes kayaking and then it goes mountain biking and then maybe it goes road biking which it did in the lance armstrong era and then it goes climbing and there's always going to be those people who do it doesn't matter you're going to be the old school climber the guy who shows up in your grambacy pants and your old pair of climbing shoes and all the young guns who have all the fancy toys are going to go how does he do that yeah absolutely but it's everybody finding their activities so you decided to climbing or you discovered the climbing was the thing. How did you pursue the philosophy interest after high school?
1: Uh, you know, so I ended up, uh, moving to Switzerland for a short time.
0: Uh, and, uh, I, where the where the climbing is excellent. I understand. It
1: is, (laughs) But, uh, my philosophy was kind of what I wanted to pursue for that time. So, um, I actually went to a commune for a little while and, uh, studied, um, you know, Nietzsche and all the classics. And then, um, I did climb a bit and then I ended up going to France after that and climbed for a little bit long and then, uh, came back to the States. And what was my next step after that? I think it wasn't too long after that, that
0: I started looking West, um, in the U S so, yeah. So you get back to the U S did you ever, go to school officially. I know your bio says you took a, I think I may be paraphrasing an atypical path. Is that the correct term that you used? Non-traditional.
1: It is, uh, that, that, so when I moved to Flagstaff, they did have a physical therapy, uh, uh, program. And so that was one of the things that was in the back of my head. And I thought, well, I can, there's incredible climbing in Flagstaff, um, and the culture suits me. Uh, and I thought, you know, maybe if, uh, if You go back to school. Um, I'll go the route of physical therapy, um, and then it really played out. Uh, so, I am not very good at school. I'm very good at learning, uh, is what I've discovered.
0: I'm curious. Then, would it be correct to say? And I don't mean this in a negative way. I've used this term in a uh, FitLab Pittsburgh podcast. When you went to cl- when you f- made the trek to Flagstaff, did you start out as what the people would call a dirt bag?
1: Yes. Yeah, I don't take, take offense to that at all. So we've we a BW van. We actually lived in it for a while. So
0: yeah. And for listeners who are listening to this and they're going, well, wait a second, Ben just called uh, Ryan a dirtbag. If you could just kind of give your, your definition of what a dirtbag is.
1: Uh, you know, somebody that's willing to uh, live with less to do more. Sometimes. Sometimes they truly do airbags, bags.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you make it to Flagstaff. You do all kinds of climbing. I know I've been in Flagstaff and done some mountain biking and trail running. How big a cultural transition was it to go from Arkansas, small town Arkansas to Flagstaff?
1: You know, in some regards, I, uh, or in most regards, I the West just sort of suits me. Um, it, it, it fits me better than the South did, even though I absolutely love the South. Uh, I'm always telling our little boy uh, where everything awesome comes from Arkansas. But, uh, but I uh, this, the West suits me, you know, and it always has. I remember when I was 16, I had read in Backpacker uh, about the San Juans. And at that time I didn't have a car, so I borrowed my dad's truck and went to the western slope of Colorado and was like, well, I'm going to go climb. So I climbed some hills and some other peaks around that area. And I don't know if you're familiar with the San Juan, but I,
0: I am. I've got a good friend who lives in Salida.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: um,
1: and I, I just, it, I felt at home um, even that early.
0: And I know having spent some time in the south, I was in Atlanta and I was in Auburn for a few years. <coughs> If you're somebody who moves on a regular basis, yeah. you're not exactly considered typical or normal unless it involves moving towards the football stadium.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I know, I know the attitude out West is, I mean, you may be a climber, but you probably dabble in mountain biking, trail running, whitewater kayaking, yep. snow, ski, snow skiing, yeah. et cetera. Yeah,
1: I so, uh when I when I started climbing uh in Arkansas, and I would I still had I was still kind of for for climbing I was a little bit big. Uh so I started running and riding a bike quite a lot and people would ask me in Arkansas all the time if I knew to ride. So yeah, they just thought, oh that poor kid. He just he need to ride.
0: You end up, whoops, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> You end up in Flagstaff, you're a dirtbag. Clearly you're not a dirtbag now, you're a business owner. So how did you go from dirtbag climber to business owner? What was the first step for doing that?
1: Man, this is a long process. Uh, so everywhere we went, when I did, I worked in a couple box gyms uh, back when I was like 20, 21 to 23
0: Uh, And and again, for some listeners who aren't really familiar by box, you're not referring to CrossFit, but just big, large gyms that maybe have names that you heard of or names that cease to exist, but large numbers of members. The idea is you want to sell as many members on membership as you can.
1: Yes. And it was so even then that early on in my career, it felt um, it went against what I what my heart was for the, the people that I was supposed to be trying to help. So, because I just put them on these little machines and, you know, this is no, if if somebody, if this is somebody's way of practicing, uh, it's fine with me. Um, But it just didn't suit what I had in mind for helping people. Um, So, I traveled quite a lot, as you probably picked up now, and then um, everywhere we would go, I ended up with, like, a few people training with me. Even if, like, we built a little gym up in the mountains in the Sierras, we built I had a little gym when I was in Switzerland. Um, and then when I finally landed in Flagstaff, uh, I had, it was in a basement One it was in a carriage house. <laughs> so, uh, and then I ended up with a job teaching um, uh, health and wellness at a school here in town, uh, which was a really fulfilling job because I got to direct these kids that, you know, uh, in, in to move and have fun doing those things you know so uh it was incredibly incredibly fulfilling um and then my wife decided that she wanted to go back to school uh so we had good jobs and i said you know we might as well just go back to school it's good um and i'll keep working and uh so we made that decision she quit her job went back to school and then about Probably six or eight weeks later, um, I was let go of my job months before we came back uh, to work. Um, and we had just bought a house. So <laughs> so, uh, so we had just bought a house. Um, and I thought, wow, this, this seems like this could become critical. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we had a couple house payments on credit cards. Um, we were literally... We found this incredibly large box of powdered milk, uh, and we were eating, with we were living on that a little bit. And my wife was making bread, and uh, because we couldn't buy bread, and then um, her student loans came in. So, you know, we decided, we were like, you know what? This is what we should do to ensure our financial security. Let's go over in a warehouse and start a business. <laughs> so that's what we did.
0: Was the, was the idea it was going to be a fitness business or?
1: It was, it was Paragon. Uh, it was Paragon. We have right now. Uh, we started with those student loans. Uh,
0: so we're going we're gonna to come back in a few minutes and talk about that a little bit more. But I want to ask a couple of movement-related questions because it gives me ideas for future adventures. So my two favorite questions I always ask is, number one, for you, if you're sitting around the campfire, you're sitting at the microbrewery and you're talking about events or activities or climbing trips or something that you've done in the past that's just like, that's your favorite thing. What's the most favorite or most interesting movement activity you've done in the past? And would you do it again?
1: Other than climbing?
0: Other than climbing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know anybody, anybody who's involved in a specific sport, hardcore for many years, is like, well, I do this but they often have something else at the back of their mind. just like, you know, I kind of like to do this or I did this and it was a lot of fun.
1: You know, um, I do like to do like random challenges for myself. Like, but, uh, those are always different. So I, I can't say, um, like running, you know, just from the house unprepared, things like that. I do. I kind of do ridiculous things. Um, um, but honestly, like my daily tra- or my weekly training is one of my favorite things, uh, that I do. Uh, and everybody knows we got back from a climbing trip last year. Um, and we got in very late. It was a very long day of travel or two days of traveling. Uh, I dropped my wife and son off of the house and, uh, told her I was headed into the gym. And she was like, are you crazy? Uh, so uh, as, as lame as that sounds, <laughs> training is literally one of my favorite things.
0: Any movement activity that's kind of on the list? It's, I need to get to it. I haven't got to it yet, but I know I'm going to do this. Um,
1: you know, those, that, so the goals, um, my goals typically lie in the climbing world. And because our business, um, and our lives have been so busy, that's definitely going back there for a while. But, Um, anytime I get free time and my goals tend to gravitate toward climbing.
0: I just finished listening to, I guess, two days ago, Joe Rogan interview Alex Honnold. Um, It's, uh, really, I'm not a climber, but it was really interesting. And I was surprised he was not as crazy as you would think he is when you see him do some of the free climbing.
1: Right. No, he comes off as just a very level-headed guy. Yeah.
0: So we are talking to Ryan Whitehead. He is the owner of Paragon Athletics in Flagstaff, Arizona. He just finished telling us about how they did, he and his wife decided to open Paragon essentially on a box of powdered milk and some student loans. And what we're going to do is we're going to come back in two weeks and we're going to find out more exactly about what Paragon does from just from hearing Ryan talk for the last few minutes. I suspect it's not at all like those big box gyms that he started out his movement career in. So Ryan, I want to thank you for part one talking to moving to live and I'm looking forward to catching up with you in two weeks.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to the latest episode of moving to live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both, underscore, mov2liv. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.